Hello everyone, welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Got a, a shorter little edition of the podcast here before we really get into the thick of things with the season. I, uh, I'm i thinking of doing an episode, it still depends on my schedule once a week or, or every other week, but probably recording on Sunday after the Sunday day games happen. That's probably when I'll record and then put the pot out. Um, we'll see Sunday night or just uh, on Monday sometime for listening. Uh, but this is just, you know, what, what's happened on opening day weekend. It's it's over. Uh, I'm recording this after the Seattle Mariners game on Sunday. And opening day weekend. What's going on? What's happening? Uh, so kicking off this podcast, I'm going to do something that I will bring back every week. And it's the Baseball Reference Player of the Week. So I... And one of my favorite things to do is to go to Baseball Reference and just type in fun shit and find insanely weird baseball names. And occasionally they have really neat lore to them. Uh, So I'm going to share one player per week. It might be a player you know from recent times. It might be a guy from the 1910s or something with, you know, a crazy ass name. Uh, There might be stories for this player. There might be career highlights like today's, there might not be much of a career, but it's funny and it's fun to know that these players existed. So starting off this week with the Baseball Reference Player of the Week, you may have heard of Honus Wagner. Uh, and if you're a baseball fan and haven't heard of Honus Wagner, um, go go to Google. Go learn who Honus Wagner is. He's not the Baseball Reference Player of the Week, though. It's his brother, Albert Wagner. Now, Albert, he doesn't come up as Albert Wagner in baseball reference. He comes up, uh, not Albert, but with a name he he went by his career, uh, Butts. Butts Wagner. Older brother to Honus Wagner, yes. Uh, B-U-T-T-S space Wagner. Butts Wagner. That's the baseball reference player of the week this week. Uh, Negative 1.2 career war. Uh, He... Played one season of baseball in 1898 and then hung up the cleats. Uh, He played on the Washington Senators in the 1898 season, but then was loaned. Yes, they did loans back then. He was loaned to the Brooklyn Bridegrooms uh, on the 4th of July. This is according to his Wikipedia. He replaced an injured player and hit a home run. The only home run of his career and he hit a double and scored three runs in a 9-5 bridegroom victory. So on July 4th, 1898, that is when Butz Wagner burst onto the scene. Uh, he didn't do much else in his career. And then there's there's a weird little pop culture highlight in his Wikipedia page. He was depicted as an eccentric inventor in, during a boy's long dream sequence in Joseph Romaine's book, The Mystery of the Wagner Wacker. Wagner invents an automatic bat machine, and the boy helps defend him from organized crime figures who want to steal the invention. In Dan, and then in another book, in Dan Gutman's book, Honus and Me, uh, the main character, Joe Stoshak, prefers to be Butts. So, he's been in not one, but two books, and I 
I'm going to need to get my hand on the mystery of the Wagner Whacker. It looks like it was once upon a time on Amazon, but is now out of stock. And I'm going to need to get my hands on that book to read it because it sounds insane. But that's the baseball reference part of the week. Butts Wagner. Um, Albert Butts Wagner. Honus, his older brother. Uh, one more thing before we move on. He was often credited with getting Honus his first tryout. So... Without butts, there's no Honus. So think about that next time you see Honus Wagner in the record book somewhere. You're going to Cooperstown. Uh, there would be no Honus without butts. That's what I always say. Uh, but that is the baseball reference part of the week. That will return every week, every podcast, whenever I'd actually make up my mind and decide a schedule for this thing. But moving into... Baseball. Baseball happened. Baseball started this week. Feels great. Uh, opening day was awesome. Um, I don't understand why every team plays on opening day and then the next day there's like five games. Like I gen, I don't care what you're competing with. Like I understand there's you know NBA and college basketball and and all that going on, but come on. The heat of opening day is amazing because there's nonstop action because every team is playing. There's 15 games. You go from 15 games to five games. It just kind of takes the steam out of the whole weekend for me. Uh, They should do it like the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Thursday through Sunday, there should be 15 games every day. That'd be sweet. I don't know why they do this whole break business. It's just kind of stupid. Especially you open the opening days on Thursday and then you don't play on Friday and then you pick it up in the weekend. Like, come on. Ready, everyone's ready to play. They don't need breaks early in this season. Come on. That's my my nitpick with this weekend. But otherwise, pretty fun weekend baseball-wise. Just good to see baseball back. I will not, Mariners-wise, will not be delving into any player's stats. Actually, anyone's, really. I will delve into nobody's stats. Um, make no opinions on what they've done on the field yet. Uh, I feel like it, Twitter isn't real life, so I know not everyone's doing this, but... Just on Twitter, um, in Mariner circles and, and other fan bases, I've noticed there tends to be overreaction with every single inning and game, and especially like the opening weekend. There's like, oh man, he's you know, batting below a hundred. Just relax. Let's let's take it easy. Uh, really, let's wait until like May. Honestly, yeah, no, and wait until at least we play a month of ball before making. Uh, any opinions based on anyone's statistics and even then that's still a little too early to really be making like assumptions of what this player is going to do this season right so let's just pump the brakes and enjoy watching baseball for a little bit we don't need to make any any overreactions any opinions i know that's quite boring um but it pains me uh when i load up twitter and i see oh so and so is is not hitting while he's hitting you know 150 so far start of the season. Not good. Oh, his first start was bad. Oh, like, come on. Let's. Baseball's long. Long sport. Long sport. First weekend doesn't really matter. Um, before I get into some other shit, uh, some news happened this week as well. Um, we heard dues of a new minor league CBA being approved. And uh, minimum salaries for minor leaguers being increased, which is big, big dub. Uh, we knew that 
They had unanimous this offseason with the new Major League CBA, but they just approved uh, unanimously their Minor League CBA, uh, and that really is a first step in the right direction of hopefully um, treating minor leaguers better. I mean, it's it's crazy it went on for this long. I think everyone started to realize how terrible it was the past couple of years. Started to go into the mainstream, uh, put a lot of pressure on teams, it's just, it's interesting. I'll read what the minimum salaries are raised from if you don't know or if you need a reminder. So, rookie ball was raised from 4,800 to uh, 19,800. Single A from 11 grand to 26,200. Uh, High A, 11 grand to 27,300. Uh, double A went from 13,800 to 27,300. And AAA went from seventeen thousand five hundred to thirty-five thousand and eight hundred. Um, players will also be getting weekly payments during spring training, uh, and also weekly um, payments in the off-season uh, training camps as well, which they never were, which is kind of crazy. So uh, you see, this really small numbers go to also small numbers. It it's. It was a good step. It's still a little embarrassing how little they get paid. I do think they should still probably get paid more than this. Uh, but it's also good to remember um, a lot of minor leaguers don't pay for, for housing or it's heavily discounted with the team. Um, same with meals and stuff. But even even with that, this is a very, very little amount of money to, to make as a professional big leaguer. Um, it's nice they'll make a little bit of money during spring training and offseason training camps too. I thought that was good. Um, the only thing that, and when they'll get rights as well, like 401k plan arbitration and all that, like medical, second medical opinions, uh, it, it's all, all in all, it's definitely a win. It could be better, but it's more like, this is a fantastic start for the future. Uh, so hats off to the MOBPA, uh, for agreeing to this. And it really is a historic, historic agreement. Um, I don't, I just don't understand from a team standpoint, the pushback for paying minor leaguers. Um, there's, there's nothing in the CBA that says they can limit the amount of minor league teams again anymore, which they already did. Uh, but that means like in the next round of CBA negotiations, they might want to lower the amount of teams again, but we know that won't be the case for another five years at least, but it's just weird to me that teams, uh, well, I mean, I, I just published a Substack, um, somewhat critical and somewhat showing my views of baseball ownership, uh, representative from this 2023 off season. Go check that out if you haven't, but, um, it's weird how penny pinching these organizations are and where they choose to be penny pinching. I mean, baseball owners are notoriously bad, uh, at you know spending money to win baseball games most of them don't want to win baseball games they want to turn a profit and make it look like uh, to the fans they're committing money to spend to win baseball games but it's weird that in them they want to cut costs in the minor leagues i mean across the board they're saving like with cutting minor league like teams the amount of minor league teams and then if you want to do that in the future and like trying to limit their pay and just limit the amount of players in the minors in general like in your minor league system you're saving like millions of dollars, like not that, like not tens of millions. You're saving single digit millions of dollars per year, which is nothing to these baseball teams or owners, uh, especially with the, the ROI of some of these minor league players, like more minor league players in your 
teams organization leads to a bigger crop to choose from to put a good on-field product on the major league level to in turn make more money because your team is successful yada 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 uh like there's you know there's top 100 prospects but then there's the next a couple thousand players in the minor leagues there's always minor leaguers who are not on anyone's radar who are in your system and come up and and make a good impact at the major league level like i don't know why teams want to try to save a couple million dollars and have less minor leaguers. It's weird to me that they would penny pinch in that way, especially because the cost is so low and the potential money they could make you from such a low cost minor league player or, you know, more minor league players is exponentially larger than what they're going to cost you just playing in your minor league system, you know, every year. It's just weird. Uh, It's just weird activities from these owners to save money at every possible stop every possible way they can save a little bit of money even though in the long run having more minor league players is a good thing for your your team's on-field product and just health of the organization in general so that's my take on this but again historic day very glad these minor leaguers will be actually uh getting paid a lot more uh compared to what they have been so that's huge Congrats to the minor leaguers, and that is awesome. As a as a huge advocate for labor and labor rights, big win, and that was very good to see. Moving on uh, to what what have I seen from the new rules this weekend? Oh, man, steals are up. Uh, I mean, we've seen all weekend uh, game times are down like 20 to 30 minutes on average compared to last year's opening days. Um, there have been more runs. Uh, more steals, more steal attempts, like a ridiculous amount of steal attempts and steals per game compared to normal, which is pretty awesome. It's pretty electric. I mean, guys are uh, not only taking advantage of the bigger base, but, um, you know, a guy uh, with the pitching uh, throw over limits, there's just less a, a pitcher can do to hold you to first base. Uh, and guys are taking advantage of that. It's steals are up just about as much as we expected. Uh, with the bigger bases and the new rules, we kind of everyone was like, "Yes, deals are going to be up," and and they certainly are. That was not a lie. Uh, it's pretty been pretty fun to see. I I think, uh, I mean Jorge Mateo. I don't know if he stole another base today. He had four in two games, uh, and like Anthony Volpe had, I I think two or three in his first two or three games. Guys are going to steal a lot. Like Acuna's already had a couple. We're going to get a sixty stolen base season from someone this this year i'm pretty sure we're getting multiple 40 plus stolen base seasons probably like at least 150 plus this year maybe a 60 plus uh like jorge mateo uh acuna even like estroy ruiz is super fast on the a's like there could be a, a many guys who might steal this many bags here like john birdie could swipe 55 bags uh so steals are up that's fun to see from these new rules and then the pitch clock. How's the pitch clock been doing? I mean, like I said, game times are down. Um, I feel like pitch clock is you love it or hate it. I am in the middle. I don't really care. Uh, it's nice to to watch a baseball game. Like opening day for the Mariners was like two hours, 20 minutes because it was a pitcher's duel. Like that was kind of refreshing to sit down for two hours and have the baseball game end. But I think games are like two hours, 45-ish minutes right now on average. And it was like three hours, 10 minutes average at this time last year so games are quicker uh i mean i generally like the quicker pace to be honest i mean it's it's snappy um 
I think everyone's still getting used to it. There, there's been like a little bit less than one pitch clock violation per game, which is good. Like I think there's been, um, like if you ran the numbers, it was like 0.8 per game so far, and I'm sure that number will decrease as the year goes on. Uh, but really, I'm I'm a fan of the the increased pace. I I think like watching it on TV is is nice. I think getting through a baseball game quicker is generally a good thing. I don't think it harms the game too much. Um, going to a game, I haven't been to a game yet, but going to a game, I can see, and a lot of people are thinking it would be it would be worse than watching on TV, just because like, let's take that Mariners game for example again. That thing was moving. You get up, like, go to the bathroom, go get some food, go get a drink, you know, walk around the ballpark. Like, you miss, you might miss two innings of the baseball game. Uh, my brother said at least that, uh, uh, I almost called it Safeco, at T-Mobile Park, they have, like, self-serve beer kiosks, which speeds things up. I think I tweeted this out, but there's no better time right now than to be a vendor who's walking down the aisles. <laughs> like you're going to rack up the tips. I mean, personally, like I'll, I was never, I'm never a big fan of buying from them. Cause I, I like to just kind of get up and walk around when I'm at a baseball game, but in an effort to not miss a lot of the game because of the new, the new pace of play, uh, I feel like people are going to, and myself included, going to, uh, use and employ a lot more of just sitting down, waiting for the vendors to come and then taking your advantage there. So Shout out to those people. Uh, the demand couldn't be higher for for it, for walking around vendors. Uh, the tips are going to be flowing for them. So shout out to them this year. Uh, what else about the pitch clock? I think uh, I don't need to see the clock on TV. Um, like Root Sports is pretty subtle. It's just kind of in the corner on like the scorecard in the circle, um, counting down. Like the Dodgers had one that was displayed like electronically on the pitcher's mound which looked pretty uh terrible uh it's pretty apparent in the ballpark but from like a tv standpoint i don't think i need the pitch clock to be on my tv like i don't need to know that it's counting down if there's a violation there's a violation i don't really care what the clock says i'll i mean i've kind of already gotten used to what the pace is and so i don't know if i really need to be staring at a clock all game uh, that's my take on that. I, there's every broadcast is trying to do it a little bit differently. And I think the Dodgers one was pretty bad. There were a couple others that were uh, way too in your face. I think what root sports, uh, Northwest is doing is fine. Uh, it's subtle. If you're going to do it have it be small. So I don't really have to pay too much attention to it. Uh, I just don't need it in my face. Like the spring training when they first unveiled it behind the plate. So every person watching TV could see this big clock was, that was too much, and I'm glad they've they're not doing that really. So, uh, otherwise, I think players are adjusting. I think pitchers are adjusting. Um, the only thing, and the only other thing I'll say about the pitch clock is broadcast wise, broadcasters are are getting used to this just as much as the players are, and they'll be affected more in their day to day just because sometimes in a broadcast you can have an inning that goes on for forty minutes and. Whether it's the pitcher, you know, pitching really slowly or just like long at bats, announcers are generally like there's ones that are better at it than than others, but they fill the time with stories. They bring people onto the broadcast. They, you know, riff with their their broadcasting partner, and and there's going to be less of that this year and going forward. 
and just kind of fitting in like the ads fitting in like the commercial or um fitting in the replays i've noticed they've kind of started to do the replays earlier and some of the replays have ended as a pitch is already thrown to the next batter um i think I think they'll get used to it as the year goes on, but like commercial breaks are just a little bit quicker though. having can handle that. Uh, there's, they've flashed a short commercial to me a few times between like the second and third batter of the inning. Like when there's two outs and there's a guy coming up, they'll give me a little commercial and then maybe they come back and the pitch is being thrown. Like uh, they're getting used to it. Announcers are getting used to it. I think it won't be as noticeable obviously as the season goes on, but that is, been the most notable thing announcers are a little bit more rushed like when they have guests on there's a little bit more urgency to to talk but then the pitches are just coming in faster and faster so it's harder to to have a long drawn out story which is part of why announcing baseball and listening to it's it's fun sometimes but that's just going to change i'm not necessarily a fan of that changing but also i'm not adamantly against the pitch clock i do um i'm liking how quick games are going by i mean i don't I'm a sicko, so I'll sit down and watch a four-hour baseball game. That's zero zero. I'll watch a five-hour baseball game. That's zero zero. Like I'm just a sicko that way. But I think the pitch clock is going to be the best for the average viewer. And I am not the average viewer, so I don't need the pitch clock to enjoy my baseball. I'm fine with long baseball games, but I'm also um, I think this is going to be huge for the average fan. I think and that's part of what baseball is trying to do. So I don't, I think it's a good move. Uh, I think quicker game times are generally going to appease to the average fan or the more casual fan who is like, Oh, the games are, you know, two and a half hours instead of three and a half hours now. Sure. Oh, I'll, t- I'll tune in more. I think that's going to happen a lot. And I think, uh, that is ultimately a good thing for the sport. So that is my take. And that is on the new rules and what I've noticed this weekend. Um, I'm getting already a little tired of wow it's a baseball game it's it's been six innings and it's it's an hour and a half this is the game time compared to last I'm kind of getting tired of that shit already like we get that the games are faster now can we just stop talking about it can we just kind of reconvene at the all-star break and 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 then look at the numbers instead of talking about it every time and all the new rules like it, that's just that's like of me overreacting because it's you know it's the first weekend and everything um it'll start feeling more normal and not new rules new rules new rules throwing that at you all the time uh, as we move on through the season but i think ultimately they've been a, a success this season the shift has been interesting too teams are still shifting a lot it's just the, you know it is it is a little different um with those rules and i think it that's ultimately a good thing too um, but teams are still finding a way to shift pretty creatively. So that that's not going to stop. It's just like the drastic ones that have stopped like we've expected. So that's good. And then I'll, 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 I'll kick off another thing I want to do every week, every podcast. Um, the chaos moment of the week doesn't have to be Mariners. Uh, it can just be baseball in general. Um, but my chaos moment of the week is from the Seattle Mariners game. Uh, this was actually actually no i'll I'll give you a mariners chaos moment of the week and a non-mariners chaos moment of the week so the mariners chaos moment of the week Teoscar hernandez fields a uh, fly ball um a runner is is scurrying home 
Teo Hernandez rifles the ball in towards home plate, and bang, it hits thick-ass Mike Zanino, trotting back to first in the shoulder. Goes completely towards third base. Uh, Robbie Ray picks it up, tries to do a, a slick little falling back throw to home plate. Completely oversails. Two runners score. Looked very little leaguey, very chaotic. I on I think the Mariners and the Guardians are probably the two most chaos forward teams in the league. So I think anytime these teams get together, some weird shit's gonna happen. Uh, but this was just tough. I mean, it's Taylor Hernandez got uh, an error for this, which is brutal. But I don't know how else they'd score it. They can't score it a nothing. Like they can't score a hit. Like he got out. Like, they have to kind of score it an error, despite. The throw was probably, you know, going to hit the hit the catcher, but it, it hit Mike Zanino, the catcher on first base instead. Robbie Ray got the error, and he deserved that error. Um, he tried to be real slick. Even if the throw was on line, I don't think they get the guy at home plate. Like, holding onto the ball would have been the best move and saved a run there, but that was very chaotic. Uh, the Mariners' fielding was really chaotic in general this weekend. They're not very cohesive out there in the field. Uh, a, a a tad little league infieldy at times. Um, so let's tighten that up. But that was the Mariners chaos moment of the week. The MLB chaos moment of the week. The Orioles and the Red Sox are playing in a series. Uh, there's two outs in the bottom of the ninth, and this is a game that the Orioles were winning the entire time, and the Red Sox had been slowly, slowly crawling back in this game. And it is now a one-run game in the bottom of the ninth. The Orioles trying to close it out. There is a man on base. Uh, A fly ball goes to left field. It's two outs. The announcers are like, and this will probably do it. Oh, oh, and he drops the ball. He just drops the ball. So there's a man on now. That was for the win. You catch the ball. You win that game. You go home. Now there's a man on first. America's hottest hitter, not by looks, but by this weekend's performance, and maybe a little bit by looks. Adam Duvall comes to the plate. Walk-off tank. This next at bat, drops the ball for the win, puts a man on first, hits a two-run tank to walk it off. Absolutely, like Fenway's going crazy. He was absolutely electric. Just what a chaos. Like, that was absolute chaos. You drop a routine fly ball, and then the next batter immediately bang right over the monster like it's po- it was poetic i feel like everyone knew it was coming and it happened and that was crazy uh, so that was the chaos moment of the mlb this week and a side note on adam duvall adam duvall's loving fenway so far uh, i mean right-handed power hitter in fenway loving it heard that before yeah no i would love hitting there if i was a right-handed hitter man you get to just dink it off the freaking green monster all the time uh, so that is, those are the chaos moments. I'm hoping to do that every week too. Uh, now I'm just going to kind of, before I get into some of the good Mariner stuff I saw again, not delving into stats, just merely I, I things, I things that caught my eye this weekend, but, um, O'Neill Cruz on opening day hit an absolute piss missile off Hunter green, 101 mile an hour fastball down the pipe. O'Neill Cruz. I want to say it was 111 off the bat deposits it in right field. Um, that was sweet. Just absolute power on power right there from two of the bright young stars in the game. That was sweet. Uh, Aaron Judge hit a very, very loud and far home run in his first at bat. 
The first home run this year in Major League Baseball belongs to Aaron Judge. Very fitting. He takes Logan Webb to dead center. And yeah, it's off the Giants. The Giants almost sign Aaron Judge. And they have to go to New York the first weekend of the series. And Aaron Judge takes him deep to dead center in this first at bat. It's, It's poetic. You can't script it much better than that. <laughs> just hilarious stuff um what else happened um three uh three highlights three of the best highlights from this weekend i saw i'll go with number three i'm gonna give it to yeah kyle freeland's um this was on the 31st kyle freeland's jump throw a uh, little short little grounder over to third base kyle freeland does uh runs over as the pitcher um, grabs it, jump throws a la Derek Jeter-esque like a shortstop to third uh, to first base to get the batter out. That was pretty sweet. Pitchers are athletes. Uh, just a reminder there. That was pretty awesome. Number two, I'll go with, and this would probably be number one on most lists if it wasn't for the number one of this week, but Estroy Ruiz in the A's Angels uh, game on opening day uh, just flat out uh, took a fantastic route to the ball. Um on a Mike Trout laser into right center, uh, full extension dive catch, uh, amazing catch. Just kind of shows the type of player Eshery Ruiz is and is going to be this season. Manning center field, stealing lots of bases. Again, he's uh, one of the guys that got back from the Brewers in that three-team trade with Sean Murphy. Um, and the number one is from the same game, and I'm sure a lot of you saw this, but the Hunter Renfro no-look catch was one of the more insane things I've ever seen on a baseball field. Um, first of all, like with, the, like with many great catches of our time, the fielder takes a less-than-ideal route to the ball. Hunter Renfro had no idea what to do when this ball was was going towards the warning track. He I it's hard to even describe the route he took to the ball. It might have been the least efficient route he could have taken to this ball possible, but it's also what made this catch possible. He ran backwards, he turned to his right, realized, "Oh shit, the ball is totally going to the other side of my body." And like at that point He's aware of how fast the ball is traveling. He's aware of where he is. He's aware of the only chance he's going to be able to make this play is just stick his arm out. And he just boom, sticks his glove out, catches the ball, a no look catch on a line drive with an outfielder moving backwards. Like that's one of the most insane catches I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it is. I, I go, if you haven't seen that and you listen to this, go watch that. It was literally insane, but also Watch it just initially, and you'll be like, holy shit, that's amazing catch. Like, catch of the year already this year, candidate. But then run it back and just start with looking at the route he takes to the ball because it's just garbage. Um, But it gave us that great catch, so worth it. And Shohei's reaction was awesome, too. Uh, I can't imagine the reaction of if he didn't catch that because it would have looked pretty awful if he uh, if he didn't catch that ball. But that was the, the the biggest highlights of this week, just the best plays I saw. There are definitely more, but those were the ones that really caught my eye and that I wrote down. Uh, Trace Thompson had three home runs uh, on April Fool's. That was pretty sweet. The Marlins on Friday, the 31st, rocked their 
uh, Florida Marlins jerseys from a couple decades ago. Those are fresh. Those are clean. Um, every time a team breaks out a jersey like this, like these jerseys do look great, but it's also like they look so much better because we haven't seen them in so long. That being said, these are one of the better jerseys in baseball, particularly with the nostalgia factor. Because not only do they look sick and like the Florida Marlins and that logo is pretty cool, like the the teal turquoisey color is just a good color for Miami. Um, and not that I was watching baseball at this time because I was a um, baby slash potentially not born, but like uh, it brings you back to like Miggy is a rookie, like D train that team that won the world series that played in the freaking orange bowl. Uh, it brings you back to those times of the Marlins and the Florida Marlins pre Miami Marlins. And um, I think hopefully, I mean, they wore those on Friday. Jazz Chisholm looked amazing in them. They all looked great in them. I wonder if they're going to bring them back more this year. I think they should just have those as their main alternate going forward because they're they're pretty sweet and everyone seemed to love them and they, they look great. So hats off to the Marlins for that. Just beautiful, beautiful jerseys. And then uh, I'll talk a little bit about the Mariners, what I saw from them this weekend. As we know, I mean, they're 1-3, lost to... The Guardians looked a little disjointed offensively and defensively. Pitching was was all right. Um, you couldn't ask that much more from the pitching. I mean, Robbie Ray had a pretty bad outing, but it could have been way worse. I mean, this lineup is pretty brutal to go through. Top down, it's just very tough to get through. Um, and and defensively, like I said earlier, a little, little league-type defense this week. Just um, a lot of errant throws, lack of good communication, some errors on the base path as well. Um, just didn't look, uh, like a solid, a fundamentally solid baseball team. And I'm not going to overreact. Like this is not how they're going to play all year, but there is something to be said with so much hype coming into the year. Um, you have opening day on the actual opening day date this year too. You have a home series to start the year against, uh, um, an American league rival, and you kind of want to set the tone with this series that like we're not here to fuck around this year, and they've set the tone of the opposite. Like we are here to fuck around. Uh, th- I mean, they're not. Like as I said, I'm not going to overreact, but it was weird seeing them throw the ball all across the diamond while fielding. That was just strange. Uh, and then I'm I'm starting to see the wheels turn in a lot of uh, people on Twitter who maybe were really optimistic about some of the stuff they did this off season where they're like, Oh wait, Tommy LaStella and Cooper Hummel are going to start at DH. Oh, Oh, they're actually not good. Like people I think are starting to realize that. Yeah, they're not good. Um, the DH spot, as I said, in my preview is a big fat hole in this lineup, pretty glaring one. Uh, and that is not something I'm overreacting to. That is something I know is that I'm pretty confident we're not going to get much production from the DH spot at all this year unless uh, moves are made. But, you know, maybe maybe it's an underreaction. Maybe Tommy Estella will just put it all together and, and be an all-star this year. And maybe Cooper Hummel will be the, the best uh, utility slugging DH we've ever seen. Uh, who knows? Uh, other good stuff I saw from the Mariners. I'll not focus on any of the bad stuff anymore, but... Uh, Luis Castillo looked like Luis Castillo. I just love watching him pitch. Uh, I don't even ever care what his stats are these days. I just like look at him. Just watching him pitch is a joy. 
Uh, he looked great. Looked very Luis Castillo-like. Shut down that lineup. The Mariners went... Uh, they were trying to go to extra innings in a scoreless ball game at home. A la, uh, just continuing what they did at the end of last season. Pretty, pretty funny. Ty France, uh, clutch home run. Looks like Ty France at the plate, which is nice, but big home run to put us up and then close that game out and got the dub on opening day. Uh, that looked really fun for everyone there. That was a pretty awesome game uh, to start the year. Ty France looks like Ty France. I said in my preview, like he looked like this until he hurt his wrist last year and then ever. Like that just kind of derailed his his hitting season. Like that derailed the season at the play completely. That wrist injury. So this is the Ty France we know. This is the Ty France um, we're familiar with. Who we know this is what he can be all year without another injury like that. Um, but great to see him back and his San Diego State Aztecs basketball in the uh, in the final March Madness. That's pretty crazy. So shout out to Ty France for that. Uh, also on opening day, Matt Brash, he committed murder, manslaughter. Matt Brash killed Jose Ramirez with his, uh, his curveball. He actually killed him. I couldn't, this is one of the clips that made the rounds to non-baseball Twitter people. Uh, like if you're familiar with, um, with Dragonfly Jones on Twitter, uh, amazing Twitter follow, one of the goats of the app completely tweeted about this like quote tweeted a video of this because it's like one of the more nasty and mean things um i've ever seen on the baseball field like he really did kill him like i i i sat there watching this game and i was like oh he's dead oh it's over he matt brash took out a knife and stabbed jose ramirez right in the neck when he threw him that pitch uh and it's even more impressive one i mean we knew we knew what matt brash's pitches looked like but this is jose ramirez man this is a top, this is one of the best hitters in the league. He's been a perennial MVP candidate for for so long now. He's one of the best hitters at the plate in general in the league. Top top five, top ten at the very least. He killed him. He made him look so silly. He he broke his ankles completely and struck him out. Uh, amazing to see. So that was a great game. Uh, they go on to lose the next three games. Yada yada yada. Whatever. I don't even talk about that. Um. I'll say Trevor Gott looks pretty solid. I, I can see how they're going to kind of utilize him out of the bullpen. Um, his stuff looks pretty good. He just looks like another, um, I'll, I'll say, you know, Matt Festa types where he's not going to be one of our best relievers, but he's going to be valuable out there in the bullpen for sure. Um, probably throw a lot of innings. So that's good to see. They, they can just kind of get these cheap, um, you know, guys to contribute nicely in the bullpen. That's always really nice to have. Uh, Logan Gilbert looked great in his start. Uh, his new splitter looks pretty good. I don't know how much he's going to throw it. Theoretically, if it keeps moving along and is actually a good pitch, he'll start throwing it more and more. But uh, it looks it looks like a splitter. It looks good. Like It looks like a legit splitter. So that if he actually adds that to his arsenal as a decent pitch, Eek, man, watch out. He looks great. Um, super happy, super hyped for this season from Logan to see what he's done in the offseason to improve. Uh, really, really happy about that start. And then uh, other pitching-wise, like Andres Munoz is back. He's looking fantastic. His new two-seamer is naughty. Uh, it's mean. It's very mean. Uh, <laughs> just a man who doesn't need a two-seamer has a two-seamer now. Uh, you get the fastball. 
you get the slider with crazy downward movement and, and velocity uh, to tunnel with the fastball. But now you get a wild card two seamer to to you can George Kirby it. You can backdoor two seamer to the lefties. You can uh, have the two seamer run in on the hands to right handed hitters. Like it's another thing to throw at the bottom of the zone where a guy might think it's the four seamer touching the bottom of the zone and it drops off just a little bit enough under the swing plane um, out of the zone. It's just, uh, man, I'm so hyped to watch him all year, especially if that two seamer is going to be coming into play more. Just, just ridiculous. Um, Julio hit a home run today. That was fun. Uh, he looks fine. Um, stole a base playing center field. I see there's the no fly zone in right center field, the fan section, which is pretty sweet. Um, the MO or uh, the Mariners, they made, uh, made sure to take care of the, the rich people and upgrade the diamond club a bunch. I saw that news. Very cool. I do think, um, definitely the Mariners need to cater to more rich fans for sure. That's definitely the move here. Um, keep, keep making the diamond club really good and uh nothing else no i'm just kidding uh, i'm i'm critical of that just because it's i don't know if that was necessarily needed but it's good for all the you know wealthy people of diamond club tickets i guess not to sound bitter but they did also announce though uh the ten dollar all year centerfield bleacher seats which is fantastic that's sweet um the complete opposite of the diamond club ten dollar bleacher seats that is awesome that's a deal and I voluntarily, you know, I go to, when I went to Mariners games, like in high school and stuff, obviously didn't have a bunch of money. So I would often get the center field bleacher sheets because they're generally the cheapest. But if you've ever watched a game from there, it's a great place to watch a game. You get to see the pitcher from behind the mound, almost exactly lined up, like how you see it on TV, just farther away. You could see the whole field. Uh, it's a good place to see a game. And I mean, T-Mobile doesn't have a bad place to see a game. Um, but on a budget, the bleachers, a great, great place to see a ball game. And $10 all year for a ticket is awesome. So good on the Mariners for doing that. I, I love that. Uh, I think every baseball team should have something like that because um, games should be more accessible to people who don't have a lot of money. Uh, everyone should be able to go see uh, a baseball game when they want to. So that's really awesome to see. Uh, the only downside of... Uh, Going to the center field bleacher seats in the summer is you do get roasted alive by the sun. That is really the downside, especially if it's a day game. Um, if it's a day game and the sun's in the top of the sky, there's only, you know, there's some places you can go for shade. You can go on the concourse. There's seats like up in the 300s that are kind of shaded and then down uh, on the first and third baselines a little bit up under the, the boxes are shaded, obviously. but. Um, any other, I mean, uh, in the summer you do get cooked. I've been burnt out there in center field before. Uh, but that was a great thing that the Mariners did. I'm hyped about that. Uh, and one more thing I'll say about that. My brother and I, when we went to uh, Felix Hernandez's perfect game, those are center field bleacher seats. So some history there for you. Uh, we did go down to um, the concourse behind home plate with a bunch of other people to watch like the final two innings. but. Centerfield Bleachers is where we started. So you got a special place in my heart for sure for those centerfield bleacher seats. That's about it. I don't I don't really want to touch anything else. I don't wanna, you know, uh, people are like Colton Wong, Teo Teoscar Hernandez, they're you know, one for thirteen or whatever. Hey, who gives a shit, man? It's thirteen plate appearances. 
Um, check back to me in May if they're hitting 150, and and we'll reassess. But I don't think that's really going to happen. Uh, good to see the Mariners playing baseball again. Good to see uh, baseball just back in general. Um, really fun, really awesome. Uh, looking forward to what this season holds, and and that's the podcast. I don't have anything else for you, so shorter than all of my preview podcasts, which is refreshing. But uh, if you're listening this far, thank you. Uh, rate and review if you can. Tell your friends if you can. If not, just you listening is enough. Just you, specifically you, the one who's listening to this right now. I'm only talking to you. Thank you. Uh, But with that, I will sign off. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day. And go Mariners.